Today, church, we're going to continue in the, the book of Ruth. We started a sermon series last week, and, you know, I want to encourage you today. Today, we're going to be looking at finding the love that you want, finding the love that you want. Church, if you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, and I hope that every single one of you are, a committed follower of Jesus Christ, then you should be wanting to honor him. You should want to honor him with your life. And so if you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, how in the world do we do something that's so difficult in today's world? How do we meet someone? How do we date someone? How do we marry someone? How do we stay married to someone in a way that honors God? In Ephesians chapter 1, Verse 11, it says this, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, the purpose of his will. So today, churches, we're talking about relationships in the book of Ruth. You know, I I mentioned about to, to finding, to dating, to marrying, to staying married can be complicated when you're a Christian, when you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and, and I had someone, I hear this a lot. I shouldn't just say someone. I've heard this a lot from single people in the church. They're like, you know, how do I meet someone as a Christian? How can I meet someone as a Christian? So today what I want to do is, this is a freebie too. I ain't charging you nothing for this. I'm going to give you a few Christian pickup lines for those of you who are needing some help this morning. So here they are. You go up to someone, you say, Man, is it hot in here? Or is that the Holy Spirit burning inside of you today? That's a good one, right? Here's another one. If you see someone worshiping on a Sunday and they don't have a wedding ring on that finger, you can go up to them and say, man, you must be a Bible verse because I want to memorize you. I like that one. Or you walk up to someone and say, you don't like them. I only got one more. It's all right. Hang in there. If you, walk, you can walk up to someone and say, Your name must be faith because you are the substance of all things that I have been hoping for. So listen, church, I'm just here to help you this morning, okay? That's my job. I'm here to help you. But seriously, think about this. How do you meet? How do you date? How do you marry? And how do you stay married in a complicated culture? Because if you haven't noticed, church, if you haven't noticed at all, see, Culture's view on marriage is changing constantly. It's constantly changing right before our very eyes. See, the the first time in all of our lifetimes, as we see it, the very first time in our lifetime, the majority of adults in the United States of America are not married. And here's the statistics. In the last 50 years, the rates of marriage in the United States have dropped 60%. 60%. Another thought that's sobering is 63% of men under the age of 30 have chosen to be single. I mean, they're choosing. They are intentionally sitting on the bench. And if you ask them why, they'll tell you things like, you know, dating is a hassle. You know, we like our freedom. And and besides, you know, if you get the, why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free? You've heard that one before, right? It's just the way that they're thinking. And then the big issue is this, 70%, 77% of all millennials prefer to live with a partner before marriage. And I want you to know, if you don't know it, listen, this is not God honoring, and God doesn't go for this. They'll argue, you know, 
I would never buy a car without test driving the car first, right? This is the mindset. This is the mindset today that marriage is not important, that marriage is something that our culture does not value. So people are delaying marriage or completely avoiding marriage. Yet, most of us, church, most of us, we still have this craving for someone special. Someone to share your time with, someone to enjoy life together, to have someone in your life in a way that honors God. I believe we desire that, but when they do get married, when people get married, tragically about half of the marriages end up in divorce, and here's an even sadder fact, the statistic is almost the same even in the church. So, it breaks the heart of our God. And perhaps the other half who are struggling, they don't get divorced, but they struggle immensely. And so when we look at the state of marriages today, something is not working, right? Yet everyone keeps doing, everyone keeps doing the same thing over and over again. The definition of insanity is this church, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That is the definition of insanity, and it might even be this. If you do what most people do, then you are going to get what most people get. And that's the situation in the country that we live in today. If you want something different, church, you've got to learn to take a different approach. So today we're going to continue on in the book of Ruth. And so if you'll turn to the book of Ruth, if you're following in your Bibles with me, I want to give you an overview, just a quick one in case you missed it last week or in case you need a refresher. So there was an ordinary family, right, who lived in Bethlehem. A famine comes upon the land. And so the father, Elimelech, the husband, he's worried about feeding his family. So he decides, you know what, I'm going to move to Moab, which was 50 miles away from Bethlehem. But see, it was a big mistake. It was a crazy big mistake because... God's like, man, don't go to Moab. He didn't want his people to associate with Moab. He didn't want his people to marry Moabites. They worshiped the false god who required them to sacrifice their children to him. So God said this about Moab. He said, that's where I wash my dirty feet. And so dad, husband, Elimelech, he was worried about his family. And so you know what he did, church? He moved there anyway. And so Long story short, the dad and his two sons, in case you don't remember their names, sick and tired. You remember that last week, right? They ended up dying in Moab, and it's a sad story. So with heartbreak and loss, the wife, the mom, Naomi, she decides, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave Moab, and I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. But while in Moab, Moab, her two sons, sick and tired, they married Moabite women. And so one of the girls decided to stay back in Moab, and the other one, Ruth, decided to go with Naomi. And she said this in uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. It, it said a lot at weddings, right? But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. So she made this declaration, okay? Church, she made a declaration and turned her back on Moab so that she could follow God. So in her moment of salvation, right, Ruth becomes brand new. She becomes brand new. She pledged her heart. She pledged her life to her heavenly father, God, the God that we know, the one and true God. And so Naomi and Ruth, the new believer, by the way, 
they return to Bethlehem. But here's the struggle. They're hurting, they're homeless, and they're scared. I believe there's some of you, you're sitting here in church today and you're feeling the same way. Some of you are hurting today as well. Maybe you're at a very painful place in your life, right? See, in chapter one of Ruth, right, it starts with heartbreak. It starts with heartbreak. But today, as we are turning the page, we're going to chapter two. See, chapter one, it's behind us, right? And we're going to go on to chapter two. And I don't know who this is for, but I really and truly believe with all my heart that God is going to work in some people's lives here today in church and that God is going to turn the page on your life that you no longer will be in chapter one, that you're going to put chapter one behind you and you are going to move forward and start something brand new in chapter two. See, God wants to turn the page on your life, church. How many of you are ready for chapter two in your life? How many of you are ready for that? If you're watching online, I want you to type that in. Like, I'm ready for chapter two. So in Ruth chapter 2, let's look at verse 1 together. It says this, Now there was a wealthy, influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. I want to stop there. Another version of the Bible says he was a strong man. He was a man of standing is what it says. Now, this doesn't mean that he had really strong arms. He wore a really tight T-shirt, worked out at Planet Fitness. That is not what that means. He wasn't necessarily strong in that way. In the Bible times, when it says that you are strong, or if it says you are of good standing, it meant that you had internal strength, is what that means. It meant you have internal strength. It meant that he had character. It also means that he had integrity. He was a man of integrity. And in the Hebrew language, it also meant that you had wealth or property. So that's what it meant right there. So Boaz was a man of standing. Ladies, for all you ladies who are sitting here today, a man of standing is far better than a man of sitting. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's far better. You don't want someone who is passive. You, you want a man who has a drive, who has dreams, who, who wants to achieve them. You want someone who has a desire to go out and make it happen, you, that they know what they want, and they have the drive to go get it. And if they need to, that they're willing to make changes in their lives to go get it. Ladies, listen to me this morning. You want a Boaz. You truly want a Boaz. Check out verses 2 and 3. So one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. I want to stop right there. Some versions of the Bible will say the word glean. What does it mean to glean? It says, let me go out into the harvest and glean. Is what some version says. Well, Leviticus chapter 19 tells us this. God commanded the Israelites during this time in Leviticus. He commanded the Israelites to let the poor people, when you're out harvesting your grain, he's saying you let the poor people, you let the widows follow behind you. And so if you were harvesting your grain, you, if you dropped some on the ground, you weren't supposed to pick it up. You weren't supposed to pick it up. It was... To be left for the widows, it was to be left for those who were poor to pick up. See, this was God's way of providing for them. 
It was kind of like God's food bank or, or, or God's soup kitchen, right? So the food was there for them. They just had to go out and get it. So Ruth, as a widow, she would go out and she would glean or pick up, right, what was left over so she and her mother-in-law could eat. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, so Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. It just so happened. I like that. This church brings up one of the major themes in Ruth. It really does. See, in Ruth, there are no supernatural miracles from God. There's none of that. There's no, like, burning bush. There's no parting of the Red Sea. You know, no one was brought back from the dead. There was none of that that was happening right here. So what is going on is this. There was no voices from heaven either. What goes on is this. In the book of Ruth, we see the supernatural providence of God. That's how he provides. How God provides. It's the fancy way of saying that God will use natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. And our God loves to do that, church. So it's when you're just kind of like going on through life, and then your life is interrupted by what God has for you, right? You're going somewhere to meet someone, and then it just so happens. Some of your version says that. It says, and it just so happens that God leads you to somewhere else or to someone else. It just so happens that God leads you to a blessing. This is the way that God provides. This is the way a good God provides. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, I want you to get this this morning. I love how the Bible says this. It says, and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So he works in all things, church, right? The good things and in the bad things. He works in the chapter one, the area that you don't like, the hardships, right? God, God doesn't bring all that garbage down upon us. That, that stuff's from the enemy. But he also works in the blessings of chapter two. He works in the blessings of chapter 2, and he works in all things to bring about his goodwill. He works in all things to bring about good for those who love him and been called according to his purpose. So Ruth, here she is. She just so happens to be working in a field that belongs to a guy named Boaz. And by the way, he is in good standing. And if this was a movie, this would be like a chick flick. Kind of like a romantic comedy, right? There, there, there's a plot twist that's suddenly coming up, and this is where Ruth is at her lowest. You know, she's gleaning. She's picking up the leftovers, and enter in is the handsome hero. We don't know if Boaz was handsome. I have no idea. But she comes across this guy named Boaz, and why do you think she came across this guy? I'll give you a clue. Because last week in chapter 1, Naomi actually prayed for Ruth. Remember when she says, hey, I'm going back to Bethlehem. You guys can come if you want to. Or you can stay if you want to, right? But here's what Naomi prayed over Ruth. She said, may the Lord show you kindness and may he bring you a husband. Naomi prayed this. Church, you realize as a believer, every time that we pray to God, he listens. 
He listens to you. As a believer, he will listen to you. And see, when your heart is right, God cares about what you care about, right? When you cry out to God, he will move. And that is why, if you have the desire to be married, you really and truly should be praying for your future spouse. You literally should be praying for them. Uh, You might not even know that person yet. You might not know that guy. You might not know that girl yet. But you really and truly, you need to be praying for that person specifically. Parents, I want to tell you right now, you pray for your kid's future spouse. This is something I've done ever since I've had kids. I've always been praying. Like, Lord, you know who she is. I got three boys. Lord, you know who she is. I pray that you surround her with good people. Lord, if she has some struggles in her life, I pray that you would supply her needs, all these kind of things. And I pray for my boys' future wives. One of them worked out, but we're still praying. So you pray for it. You want your kids to marry well? You start praying today for their spouse. And then what you do is you let God do what only he can do. You let God do what he can do. So Ruth, here she is. She's working in the fields, right? She's being responsible, and she's working. Check out Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. It says, while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. So what you see right here is a guy, Boaz. He is clearly a leader. He is someone who is a leader. He is kind to his people. And man, he's talking to them about things of the Lord. He's talking to the people about things of the Lord. People talk about, think about this. People talk about first what they value the most. People talk about first what they value the most. So check this out. If someone is a serious follower of Jesus Christ, they like to talk about it. They like to talk about that. When you meet someone, listen, early on in the stages of meeting someone and talking to them, you're going to talk about, eventually you're going to talk about God. You might talk about church. You might talk about Jesus. You might talk about your faith early in that conversation. So if they don't, if someone's not doing it, they might not be that serious and remember, church, all you who are single, God calls for you to be equally yoked is what he calls for. So people talk about first what they value the most. And what I love about Boaz here, listen, he's not a priest. Boaz is not a priest. He's not a prophet. He's not a pastor, right? But he had a ministry. He actually had a ministry. Remember, church, you don't have to have a full-time ministry to have a full-time ministry. You don't have to have that. So here he is, Boaz is working in the mission field. His fields, he's considering it a mission field. He, I'm talking about he's working the crowd. I love how the Bible, it's just a one-liner there too. It's while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he greeted the harvesters. May the Lord be with you, he said. So he's working the crowd. And I really like that. I like that. Listen, church, let the way that you live, hear me out, let the way that you live your life preach the gospel. Think about that. The way that you're living your life, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you handle yourself, let it preach the gospel. So here's just this ordinary business owner, 
and he's letting the love of God shine. That's what he's doing. So while he is serving God, though, then he happens to notice Ruth. And what did he notice? Well, let's be honest. If Ruth had a social media dating profile, it would have been, would not have been ideal. You know what everyone does right now, this day and age? They, they like to put things on social media. They'll, they like to paint a picture of their profile. Maybe it's what they want to look like or maybe what they want people to believe that they look like. I'll show you mine, for example, if you look at the screen here real quick. <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> Completely me. All those great Blakely attributes, the big arms, the nice hair, all that kind of stuff, right? You want people to think a certain way of you. But Ruth, listen to me. Ruth, she did not have a profile that you would say ideal. It wouldn't be at all. If you looked at her, let's be honest. Not everyone is honest about it, right? But think about this. If Ruth had a profile, you probably would not have been drawn to it. What do we know about her? Here's what we know. She was a Moabite. She was from the wrong people group. I mean, those people were sacrificing their babies to a false god, right? She was from the wrong people group. She used to worship that, that false god. She was widowed. And listen, that was meaning she wasn't a virgin anymore. And back then, that was a really big deal. That was a game breaker. She was homeless. She was destitute. She had a grumpy old mother-in-law that was tagging along with her, right? So let's just say she had a complicated past. But here's what I love about Ruth Church. She did not let her past define her. She didn't let her past define her. See, God made her brand new. The day that she said, you know what? I'm going to let your people be my people and your God my God. What happened right there is God made her brand new. She declared that. And I want to tell you, church, right now, for those of you who might be struggling in this way, don't let your past define you. Seriously, do not let your past define you. Even if your past was only a month ago, let God make you brand new. Let God make you brand new and do something. Start moving forward. Do you realize that every single day that God has given you is a gift to you? And what you do with that gift is your gift back to God. It's your gift back to him. So you start moving forward. You change your trajectory. The way that you are heading in life, you do not have to head that way unless you want to. You can turn around and head the right way. And church, do not let the past talk you out of what God's plan is for your future. Don't you dare let your past talk you out of what God's plan is for your future. Some of you, you're doing that right now. I mean, I hear people say, well, I, I, I can never do that because of whatever, whatever it is that they had in their past. Church, you say you had a complicated past before you were a Christian. Some of you are even saying, well, that disqualifies me. God can redeem us all. Every single one of us can be redeemed, right? God can redeem us all. Don't you let your past talk you out of what God has for your present and your future. Don't you let your past do that. Check out Ruth chapter 2. 
verse 5 through 7. So Boaz, he, he's over there. He's, he's shaking hands and kissing babies with the, the harvest people. And then verse 5, he says this. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, by the way, right there, that's, that's the biblical version of creeping on somebody else's profile like you do on Facebook. You go and ask somebody else that knows, hey, what's up with that chick over there, right? So Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes, resting in the shelter. So Boaz, the man of standing, by the way, he's looking on at this unlikely woman, and he notices some things that stand out about her. So he asks his foreman, like, hey, give me, give me the scoop on that girl right over there, right? So he notices her. Gentlemen, I want to speak to you this morning. What are you looking for in a woman from God that is different, that, that stands out today against most people? What is it that you are looking for? See, we see things in Ruth. We, we see these things that maybe he would have noticed, Boaz would have noticed in Ruth. The first thing is this. She was faithful to God. She was faithful to God because she turned away from Moab and the false God, and she turned to the true God. So, man, she was faithful to God. The second thing that maybe he noticed about Ruth was this. She is loyal to her family, very loyal to her family. Orpah, the other sister-in-law, she stayed in Moab, but Ruth went with her family, decided to go with Naomi. Remember, your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. So she was loyal to her family. The third thing is this, she was a hard worker. She was a hard worker. She wasn't waiting around for someone else to meet her needs. She wasn't waiting around for someone else to meet her needs. She isn't crying that, you know, I, I'm the victim. What she was is she was up early. She was gleaning in the field. She was going out and trying to make something happen so her and her mother-in-law could eat. She was faithful to God. She is loyal to her family. She's a hard worker. And the fourth thing was this. She honors God morally. And let me tell you why I say that. In biblical times, if you lost your husband, if you didn't have male children or a good brother-in-law who would take care of you, the women were forced into prostitution just to eat. But she didn't do that. She didn't turn to prostitution like most girls in her situation. She honored God morally, and we see those qualities, and they stand out. Church, if you want something different, you've got to be something different. Seriously, if you want something different, you have to be something different. If you are in a relationship right now, hear me out. If you're in a relationship right now and you want things to be different, let's say things have not been going well in your relationship. Maybe your marriage is crumbling and falling apart. Whatever it might be, whatever kind of relationship you are in, if you want something different than what you're experiencing right now, then you start doing something different. You start doing something different. You know, I do a lot of post-marriage counseling. What that means is people that either, A, they didn't come to my pre-marriage counseling, and now they're having issues, or they just, they weren't around then. 
I do a lot of post-marriage counseling. And man, you always hear the husband or the wife. I'm like, are you praying for your husband? You bet I am. I'm praying God to change this and do this. You know, sitting there, I'm praying only of someone. I'm praying fire to come down from heaven on top of his head. Think about this. If you want something different, then you start being different. You look at yourself first. Any kind of relationship you're in, if it's not going well, look at yourself first. What am I doing that could be contributing to this? You got a marriage that's really tough? Don't just sit there and, and, and pound on your spouse. Think about what is it that you're doing that you could be doing different, that you could be doing better. Listen, church, we want to honor God. We want to honor God, be faithful to people. Man, we want to be hard workers, and we want to live a life that is morally pleasing to God. And when you do this, whenever you do this, God will bless you way more than you ever deserve. He will bless you more than you deserve. Check out verses 8 and 9. So Boaz recognized Ruth. So Boaz went over. He's making his move, by the way. And he said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us. When you gather grain, don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and follow them. I have warned the young men. He's laying down the hammer on the other guys in the field. He said, I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you're thirsty, you help yourself to the water that has been drawn from the well. So what qualities do we see in Boaz? What qualities do we see in Boaz? Number one, church, he honors her. He honors her. I mean, he's sitting there, I want to take care of you. I want to help you out, right? So he honors her. He protects her. He's like, listen, any of them clowns that are out there, I already told them they better not even touch you. And if they do, you come let me know. So he, he wants to protect her. And not only, church, should we protect the ones that we love. Guys, I'm talking to you right now. Not only should we be protecting the ones we love, you need to protect their hearts too. You protect that girl's heart. That's your responsibility as a male in a relationship. You protect her heart. Man, and I love, he was providing for her. And he prays for her. Church, it might sound old-fashioned. It might sound old-fashioned, but listen, I love how he honors her. Guys, you should do this for the women in your life. Ladies, listen to me. You should expect this from the men in your life, right? I'm talking about, guys, you should be opening the doors for your ladies. You really should. You should be opening the doors for her. Man, you, you should be paying for that date that you're going on. You know, every once in a while, you need to take her to a restaurant where you sit down and someone comes and asks you what you want, not where you're pulling through the drive-thru and you're eating your fries in the car on the way on your date, okay? That's not how it should work. And man, you protect your girl from ungodly men. You protect her heart. I'm saying, don't you dare be saying hurtful things. You don't say hurtful things to women. And if you have, because listen, sometimes, fellas, we make mistakes, you make it right. You don't try to sweep it under the rug. You go back and you make it right. And he provides for her. And church, what I love more than anything about Boaz is he prays for her. You're like, preacher, I didn't hear. Check out verse 12. He said, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Boaz is praying for her right here. 
He's praying for Ruth. And he, man, he, he's bringing about, guys, listen, you should be praying for your ladies. Pray out loud for them. Let them hear you. Pray for them. Check out verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz called her, come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat, and she ate all that she wanted and still had some left over. Church, do you realize that we serve a God? Think about this. We serve a God who does exceedingly, exceedingly and abundantly more than all that you can ask or think and imagine according to his power that is at work in his people. That's who we serve. And you want a partner? You want, you want a partner who not just meets your needs that you have, but you want someone who exceeds your expectations by blessing you in mighty ways. That's the kind of partner you should want. And I'm talking about loving you, loving you in a way that honors God and helps you feel secure in all that you do. Church, do you realize that a girl's greatest needs is to feel loved and secure in that relationship? That is a woman's greatest need. Ladies, let me tell you something this morning. You know what a guy's greatest need is affirmation. And you, you tell him what he means to you. You tell him how good he is. You want a guy to run 200 miles for you? You tell him he's the man. And he'll do it. That is the greatest need. And so this morning, as I asked the praise team to come up here, I want you to think about where you're at in your relationships in your life. I'm talking about all relationships that you have in your life. Where are you at? How many of you realize that all of us, I'm talking about guys and girls here today, we are all very similar to Ruth. We're all very similar to Ruth. See, we have sinned against God. Do you know that, church? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And in some way, I believe that all of us are Moabites. We've sinned against him. We've fallen short of his standards that he's laid forth for us. Do you realize that Ruth came to God with nothing to offer. And you realize today, so do we. Our hearts are so deceitful, church. The things that we think about, the things that we say, the things that we do, right? And everything good. Everything good, church, that we have gleaned is from the goodness of our good God. Every little scrap that you've picked up, man, that is, that is from our God. And he is a God of love. Do you realize that he is a God of mercy? And he is a God of grace. Boaz blessed Ruth with more than she ever expected. He did. He blessed her. And do you realize that your God will bless you way more than you ever deserve? Way more than you and I ever deserved. Do you realize that your God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. See, one of the greatest ways he wants to bless you is redeeming you of your sinful life. I'm talking, church, that his grace covers our sins. 
His power makes us brand new, and he's doing a transformation in our lives even as we speak this morning. See, Boaz invited Ruth. He invited her to the table. When they were eating lunch, he invited her to the table. Do you realize that's the same way that God invites us? Our Heavenly Father invites you to dine at his table every single day. Every day. So here's the question. Are you taking him up on his invite? I'm talking about are you communion, communing with him? Are you dining with him? Are you relying on him? Church, you know he wants to be very real in your life. You realize that God wants to be very present in your life. And I'm talking about he wants to be all up in it. He wants to be a part of it. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I, I don't feel God's presence in my life. I'm not recognizing God's provision in my life. Maybe, just maybe, church, the reason that you aren't recognizing it, maybe the reason you're not seeing it is because you don't have a right relationship with him. Your mind has not been transformed. Your heart has not been transformed. So you're having a really hard time recognizing what it is that God is doing and trying to do in your life. But here's the good news. There's always good news. You can make that right today. You can take him up on his offer that he has for every single person that is here, and he wants you to have it. Don't you dare believe the lies of the enemy when he says, that's for everybody else but you. You've been too bad. You're way too far gone. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. He wants to be very real. He wants to be very present in your life. He wants you to take him up on it. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you are not in a right relationship with God, I want to tell you, let today be the day you're drawing the line in the sand saying, God, I'm going to submit to you. I will give you all my garbage. I'll give you all the junk that I've accumulated in my life. I'm going to lay it down right at the foot of the cross. And God, I'm asking you to transform me. Make me think better. Lord, let me see things the way that you want me to see them. Lord, let me speak differently than I've ever spoken before in my life. Church, he will make you brand new if you take him up on that offer. So how about it? And the rest of you believers who are sitting here this morning, are you recognizing God's presence in your life? Are you recognizing his provision? Do you understand everything that you have that's good comes from him? And he wants to do a great mighty work and continue to use you. So how about it, church? Let's stand again and let's sing. I want to encourage you to respond this morning.